a uh, couple things uh, very quickly. Uh, number one, if you are uh, uh, a brother, uh, we are starting uh, a men's uh, vocal group. And so if you would like to be a part of that, you can see Brother David King. And uh, he can, uh, yeah, you, and, uh, or, or, or Dwayne, one of the two. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But, and uh, and, and, and uh, he, will, uh, he will get you, uh, get you hooked up. We, we need some of them voices that can hit them notes. And so, hallelujah, if you'd like to be a part of that, glory to God. Also, if you are an, uh, an adult age 55 or above, uh, we are working on our OASIS group. OASIS stands for Older Adults Still in Service. And if you would like to be a part of that group and be uh, involved in what they're going to be doing and, and different uh, events and outings and things, you can sign up in the uh, media center. Uh, our Zoom men's meeting is uh, June 17th, the first one at 7 o'clock. And we're doing this via Zoom so that we can get all the men together uh, in both locations. And uh, you can see uh, Pastor Jim Molson to sign up there. He's having a watch party at his house watch party watch group all right at his house uh if you can't go to his house or maybe you just don't want to uh just put your email address out on the sheet in the media center and we'll get you hooked up uh faith builder school of ministry begins this fall we've got all the curriculum lined out and uh, i believe it's going to be it's going to be life-changing i've taken i've really taken this back to the purpose that god intended it for in the beginning and I believe it's going to be extraordinary. Amen? Amen. And then finally, more than members class, uh, Sunday, July 10th at 4 o'clock, July 31st at 4 o'clock, two classes about an hour each. You can sign up in the media department. Amen? And now you have your announcements. Praise the Lord. Let's go to Matthew 18. And we want to continue with what we've been looking at on Wednesday nights, the character of Christ. And we're going to deal tonight with developing the spirit of forgiveness. Developing the spirit of forgiveness. Uh, there are places and uh, realms in the spirit that God desires every church to go to, but character has to be cultivated. And now very often when people hear character and they, they, they hear sin, they use them interchangeably. Well, Obviously, a lack of character will lead to sin, but character can be cultivated. Sin has to be killed. You can cultivate your character, but you have to, uh, you have to kill sin. <laughs> Amen. And uh, glory to God. And so in Matthew 18, and we'll start here in verse 1, and we'll spend some time in Matthew 18 tonight, uh, but... It says, at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, except you be converted and become as little children, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. Now, Notice this, Jesus says that a childlike attitude concerning spiritual matters is the foundation from which we must all build Christ-like character. That's the foundation, is this attitude 
concerning spiritual matters, having that childlike attitude. A little child forgives and forgets quicker than adults. Right? A little child has no barriers, no walls built up around themselves. All right? That's why they're, they're you know, I don't want to use the word gullible, but that's, that's why they'll believe anything. Because they don't have any walls. You take a child until they get to a certain age, they're in that stage of innocence, and they don't think anybody would lie to them. They think everybody's great, right? Because they don't have any walls. They've not been hurt. They've not been lied to. Is that right? A little child doesn't feel threatened by anybody. Nobody, right? I mean, when, when, you, when you go to preschool, uh, you, don't, you don't see the little chubby girl uh, uh, looking at the little skinny girl wishing she was skinny and and uh, you don't see the 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 little black girl uh, wondering if the little white girl likes her they they don't feel threatened by anyone they don't notice color they don't notice shape they don't cut notice origin they have to be taught all those things is that right a childlike attitude concerning spiritual matters is imperative because you'll be great as great in the kingdom of heaven only as you are able to humble yourself in the temporal world. You'll be as great in the kingdom of heaven only as you're able to humble yourself in the temporal world. All right? Chapter 18 right there, you're there. Verse 4. Whoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. A little child has... No pride in who they are. Right? A little child can easily say, I'm sorry. Easily say it. Because, because there's no pride built up. What stops people from forgiving and asking for forgiveness is pride. When someone says, I just can't forgive them, what they're saying is, I don't want to humble myself and forgive them. When someone says, I will, I will never forgive that person, what they're saying is, I will never humble myself and forgive. It requires humility to forgive. Because a lot of times when, when forgiveness needs to be shown, there's a just reason to be hurt. Right? Sometimes people do people wrong. And if I, will, if I maintain this attitude that, well, they did me wrong, so I, I am right in holding this grudge, that's pride. Because that's focused on my hurt, my pain, what they did to me. Right? And that's not how Jesus acted. If anybody had a right to hold on to a grudge, it was Jesus. Because he never did anything to anybody. He never hurt anybody. Jesus was perfect. He never hurt anybody's feelings. He was perfect. And yet he forgave and did not forgive after praying about it all night. He forgave on the cross. 
when we came to him, he forgave us instantly, readily, quickly. Why? Because there's nothing in him that says there's something for me to merit by holding on to my hurt. Does that make sense? And a lot of times, you know, people that won't forgive feel like they're making the person they won't forgive pay. But here's the problem. They're not even thinking about you. If they cared about you, they never would have hurt you. Right? If they cared about you, they never would have said what they said. They never would have done what they did. And is it an interesting that the Bible says it's the person that won't forgive that stays in bondage? That's important. That's important. And so when somebody says, would you please forgive me? Your response should readily and quickly be yes. Why? Because, well, I might have to do it by faith. Better to do it by faith than not do it at all. Because there are things that God wants to bring. See, this, this is about going to another level. It's not about how I feel or how you feel. It's about going to another level with God. It's about, it's about your walk with God being where God wants it to be. It's about whatever God's asked you to do, being in a position to be able to be used by God. And that means, Lord, whatever I've got to do to cultivate my character, count me in. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. That's so important. You know, I've, I've, I've had people before that were worried about what people thought. And I heard something one time that just liberated me. And it, and it was simply this. You know, you can't keep expecting something from somebody that doesn't care about you. The best thing to do is just forgive them. Well, they need to do this. They're not going to. Well, they need to see I'm right. They don't. So just forgive them. Not for not seeing that you're right. Forgive them for their attitude, right? Amen. When uh, verse 5, notice here, it says, Who shall and whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. When you receive a child of God, you're receiving Jesus. I've told my children's ministers in, in our churches for years, that every Sunday, you have Jesus in your church. Every Sunday, Jesus is there because we're receiving our little children. And Jesus said, when you receive a child of God, you're receiving Jesus. See, a godly attitude doesn't ignore the small in the kingdom of God. A godly attitude doesn't ignore the small. There is no small in the kingdom of God. Everybody's important. Every person's important. There's nobody that it's okay to be offended at. There's nobody that it's okay for them to be offended. Because there's no small in the kingdom of God. It's offensive to God. If we cause a child, either in the natural or in the spirit, to stumble, that's offensive to God. Right? Remember what Paul said? He said, if meat causes my brother to be offended, as long as the world stands, I will not eat meat. 
And he, he, he preceded that verse with all the reasons why he could eat meat. And then he said, but if it causes my brother to be offended, I'm not going to do it. Oh, hallelujah. Verse 6, whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast drowned into the depth of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to the man by whom the offense cometh. So in other words, woe to the world system because of offenses. In other words, offenses will come, but you don't have to be the one the offense comes through. Paul said that he made up in his mind to, be a, to have a conscience void of offense towards all men. I'm not going to be offended at anybody. Everybody persecuted Paul. The Jews persecuted him, the Greeks persecuted him, and the Christians were leery of him. And he said, I've just decided I'm not going to have offense towards any of you all. I've just made up my mind. I'm, I'm not going to see you say that out loud. I have made up my mind. I will not be offended at anybody. Hallelujah. Yeah, but pastor, it's not that easy. It's as easy as you make it. I've had people tell me, I just can't quit thinking that way. Yes, you can. Your mind is your mind. You can do whatever you want to do with your mind. According to Scripture. That's not according to Philip. That's according to Scripture. I choose rather not to be offended. When somebody says something to me and that offense starts, you know it started. You got that bad taste in your mouth. Right? You started to back up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Started talking to them like your mom. Me and Tracy were talking about that. Like your mom used to talk to you in church. I don't know if anybody's mother ever talked to you like that in church. My mother would lean over and talk like this. She'd say, you better sit down or I'm going to slap you. I don't know what that was all about, you know, because she looked meaner than if she would have just said it. <laughs> when you get, when you offend somebody and cause them to stumble or fall into sin, you're guilty. That's, that's important. It's important not to get offended but it's important not, important not to be one who offends. Don't be offensive. I've had people that, that they were just brusque with people and just overbearing. Well, that's just my personality. You should change. Because it offends people. Well, they ought to grow up. So should you and grow up and mature and quit being that way. Right? You know, I've done a lot of counseling in 24 full-time years of ministry, pastoring. I've done a lot of marital counseling. And I've yet to have a couple come in that said, you know, the whole problem here is me. Because if, if that was the case, we could fix that real quick. 
But, but, but you watch, they walk into counseling, they walk in separately, and they're glad that the chairs are far apart, right? And, and he sits there leaning up on his knees, and she sits over here like this, as far away from him as they can get. Well, you know, what's going on? Well, he's this, and he's that, and he's mean, and he won't, and he don't, and he doesn't, and he can't. Well, let me tell you about her. And you got two offended people trying to work out a marriage. Right? Somebody's got to humble themselves and say, I'm wrong. Right? E even if the other person was wrong, if they're not mature enough to say, I was wrong, you take the low place. Amen. Well, I couldn't go ask them to forgive me. Then they'll think they're right. So what? See, that's pride. You don't want them to think they're right. This isn't about right and wrong. This is about going where God wants us to be. Right? I've, I've counseled marriages and I've told them, look, if you don't fix this, you're going to wind up in divorce court. And you will then blame everybody but yourself. You'll blame your spouse. You'll even blame me. You're going to walk out of this office and blame me for not being able to fix your marriage. And I don't sleep with either one of y'all. I don't live with either one of y'all. I'm not your husband and I'm not your wife. But you're blaming me. Because I can't fix it. I, you can't fix pride. Pride has to be broken. Pride has to be forsaken. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 13, verse 10, it says, only by pride cometh contention. The only where contention comes is when somebody won't give. Amen. I don't know your story, but I know our story. When the first year of our marriage, and thankfully it didn't last even that whole year, but the first year of our marriage, I mean, we had discussions you could hear down the road. Those are called arguments, right? Amen. And finally, Pastor Michelle would have enough. She'd have enough. And she'd go in the bathroom. You say, what would you do? Stand outside the door and yell. That's what you do when you're trying to prove you're right. Now, I know nobody's ever done anything like that. But one day I was getting ready to go to work, and uh, we, had, we had had a disagreement. And that's to put it lightly. <laughs> and uh, I went to work I left and went to work I let her know whatever I let her know and went to work and I worked at the Piggly Wiggly then in the meat department and it was Wednesday so I was there by myself and I had uh, pork shoulders out and I was working on those and chuck roast and I just put a box of meat up on the on the table and I'm working on it and I don't I don't know if it was audible but it sounded audible I know it curled every hair on my body uh, my toes curled up because I heard this voice. How dare you talk to my daughter that way? I thought, I better repent because I'm about to die. It was that real to me. And I just stopped. And the Lord said to me, he said, I don't ever want you to speak to my daughter that way again. And he, he spoke the scripture to me from Proverbs. He said, a man that cannot control his own spirit is like a city that's broken down and doesn't have any walls. 
He said, you'll never, if you can't fix this marriage, you'll never be used by me. And that's when I made the decision. Brother, I'm right or wrong. If there's a disagreement going on, I'm going to stop and say, forgive me. I was wrong. That was just my decision. I'm not saying that for any other reason than I knew somebody's, not that she wouldn't, but I've got to take the low road here. I'm the issue. I'm the sore thumb. Right? To refrain from being offensive to God and to others, you let the word be your guide. Let your inner man be your spirit guide and ask yourself, how would I like to be treated? How would I like them to respond to me? Hallelujah. That's why you got to deal with the areas in your life that you know are offensive to people. Look, look, at, look at verse 8. Am I helping you? Notice verse 8. If your hand or your foot offends you, cut them off and cast them from you. It's better to enter into life halt or maim than having two hands or feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if your eye offends you, pluck it out, cast it from you. It's better to enter into life with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Mm. Deal with the areas of your life that you know are offensive. Without our faculties, we couldn't function. Without your hands, your feet, you couldn't function. Without your eyes, you can't function. Sin can do what no amputation can do. Keep us from God. Jesus obviously isn't talking about going around maimed. He's talking about us getting the sin out of our life. Getting the, the character issues out of our life. Be done with it. I'm cutting that off. I'm not doing that anymore. Amen. It's better to correct ourselves and get the sin or the offense out of our lives than to be separated from God. It's, it's better to humble myself and get rid of that than to be limited in what God can do through me or for me. Everybody in the body of Christ has angels representing us before the throne of God. And notice here in verse 10, he said, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones, for I say to you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. The Roost Bible says, do not begin to underestimate the value of these little ones. Amen. What does that mean? Don't underestimate the value of your brother or sister. They are so valuable to God that they have an angel in his presence. Amen. This is important. As we build the character of Christ in our lives, we'll be quick to forgive and quick to ask forgiveness. Amen. Verse 11. The Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. How do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, he, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go into the mountains and seek that which is lost? And if he find it, he will rejoice more of that sheep than the 99 which went astray. Even so, it's not the will of your Father which is in heaven. Glory to God. It's not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones perish. 
It's not the will of the Father for even one of His little ones to be lost. It's not God's will that anybody, any of your brothers, any of your sisters be lost. Every single person is important to God, so every single person is important to us. Is that right? Say it out loud. Every person is important to me. See, that's the, that's, that's the family. We're the family of God. We're the faith builder's family. Everybody's important. Everybody's important in your family. Every, every son, every daughter, every husband, wife, brother, sister, they're all important. Amen. Hallelujah. I have a responsibility in developing the character of Christ to watch for that lost sheep that has gone astray. I have a responsibility in developing the character of Christ to watch for that lost sheep that's gone astray. There, there are no people that it's okay for them to go astray. That we don't talk to. That we don't encourage. That we don't reprimand. That we don't... Now, maybe maybe you may not reprimand them, but I'm saying if, if the pastor sees it, there might be a reprimand. Look, you need to change that. Amen. Hallelujah. God has a plan to handle offenses in the body of Christ. Notice here in verse 15. Moreover, if your brother trespass against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. If he won't hear, take one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he neglect to hear them, tell the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto you as a heathen man and a publican. Mm. Now notice, this person is a brother that has trespassed against you or missed the mark or sinned against you or offended you. Is that right? Notice the first step. Tell him his fault alone. Is that right? Now what Jesus said? Communicate with the person who offended you. This is the greatest test of perfected love. The confrontation should be mild and covered in love. Because you're not doing it because they offended you. You're doing it because you love them. Hallelujah. What we do in, in the body has to very often be less about what they did to me and more about them. I'm concerned about them. I've asked this question over the years. What if everybody in our church was more concerned about the person sitting next to them than they are about themselves? That would be perfected love. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Then he said, 
if he hears you, you've healed the offense. They won't always hear you. Amen. And this is not advocating public exposure of people. This is a, this is a solution, not a requirement. It's not a doctrine to be taught. All right, Jesus is saying this is a solution to this. He's not saying that's what you've got to do every time. But what if we did that? What if we were able to go to people and say, you know what, brother? I love you, sister. I love you. I just appreciate you. And, you know, I'm pretty sure maybe you don't even realize what you said. But, you know, the way you said what you said to me the other day or a few minutes ago, that just, it kind of hurt me. And, and I just want to talk to you about it. And you know, I don't know if you even realize what you said. Now, they might look at you and go, yeah, I realize what I said. I meant every word of it. Well, okay, now you know where they're standing. Now you know where they're at. But, but you've, healed, you've healed it where you're concerned. Amen. Do, do you see that? Now, there are things as a pastor I just won't put up with. Because I have a responsibility to the flock to protect you from a wolf, to protect you from a deceiver. Amen. I've met people in the parking lot before they were opening the door, and I said, no, don't, don't even get out. Don't even get out. Well, well, why? This is, you've been doing this, you've been doing this, you've been doing this. I ask you not to do it. You keep doing it. You need to go on down the road. Where am I going to go to church at? I don't know. There's plenty of churches down the road, but you've got to leave here. Now, that wasn't a knee-jerk reaction, that, right? But that was something where people were being hurt. People were being done wrong. People were being led astray. And see, I don't, I don't have time to go to him alone. Although I've already done that. This is a solution. It's not a requirement. Amen. You pray for this person to see the error of their ways. Lord, help them see where they're wrong here. And, and again... I, I sounds like I'm overemphasizing this, but you're not praying for them to see the error of their ways. So because it was against you, if they're doing that to you, they're doing that to other people. And it will eventually hurt them. Right. Look at first Timothy five. We're still talking about the solution. How many want to go to another level of glory? I do. I do more now than ever, than ever in my life, than ever in my ministry. I'm, I'm more determined to see everything that God, I, I'm so determined. We're, we're seeing it. We're seeing a move of God. We're seeing a revival, an awakening. We're seeing it in our churches. It's, it's occurring. Uh, they, 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 were, they were telling me, you know, we had, we had four babies in uh, 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 the nursery Sunday morning, and we had five kids in uh, kids church uh, 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 Fort Faith and one of them got born again Amen, Amen. people getting saved people, I was talking to Lily today 
uh, and I was around the breakfast table and I was telling her about being led by the Spirit and how she could be led by the Spirit. And I said, you know how when we pray in the Spirit, we pray, you know, it's the Holy Ghost. And she said, yes. And I said, you know, you can be led by the Spirit. You just got to listen here. And she looked at me and just like only a princess can, she took her hand like this. She goes, yes, Daddy, I know uh, Miss Sarah taught us that in children's church. Hallelujah. So my point is, we're, everybody's getting it. There's, there's things changing. There's miracles happening. Right? We got Brother James sitting here today, and his daughter was in intensive care at Baptist, and they did not. Now, these are the words that I heard. They did not expect her to make it. She was in such a bad state. They did not expect her to make it in a coma, unresponsive. Amen. But they laid that towel that the Lord told us to anoint on her body and her vital signs came alive. And the next day, the very next day, the doctors were calling people from other departments to come and see the miracle. And James, am I right about that? And as of Sunday, she was texting him. And as of today, she's out of intensive care and in her own room. To the glory of God the Father. Amen. Hallelujah. This is a house of healing, a house of miracles, a house of love. Amen. And the way that you keep that glory flow flowing is you're always checking up on yourself. I can't, I can't check up on you. I don't, I'm not you, but I can check up on me. I can make sure that my part of the flow is unblocked. I can make sure that my part is flowing. And if my part's flowing and your part's flowing, we'll be flowing together. Amen. 1 Timothy 5, verse 19. Notice, against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Them that sin, huh, rebuke before all that others may fear. Oh, hallelujah. So the Spirit of God has given us ways to deal with these issues. Notice what it says here. Against an elder, well, that's not talking about an older person in the natural. It's talking about a leader. And notice what it says. Receive not an accusation. It needs to be in a certain setting. Not in a setting of condemnation, in a setting of care and concern. Listen, my daddy used to say this. He'd say, there are preachers so crooked that when they die, they're going to screw them in the ground. All right, so, that, so there are people out there, ministers, leaders that aren't doing right. But here's what I want you to understand. You can't become part of that group that's heckling from the grandstands about what all of these, hear me, anointed and called people of God are doing. It's important. I'm not, I'm not participating in their sin. I may not even listen to them. But I got to keep my mouth off of them. Amen. Isn't that right? 
Are they, whose servant are they? God's. And what God say? What did the Bible say? It said, who are you to judge another man's servant? He stands or falls before God. What's my job? Pray. Right? Amen. Do, do you see that? And he said, them that sin, well, that's not just they sinned. They are making a lifestyle of sin. They're doing it constantly, consistently. And notice what Paul said. Rebuke them openly. That's, that's character development right there. Right? 2 Thessalonians 3. Now see, these, these, are, these are things that The Holy Spirit gives us to deal with things. 2 Thessalonians 3.14 If any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Well, he's, he's talking about people that are uh, walking disorderly, uh, people that uh, are busybodies, gossips, People that uh, are not, won't work, spend all their day talking about other people. And notice, he said if they won't listen, what, what did he say? Separate yourself from them. Is that what he said? But don't count him as an enemy. That's a test of perfected love. I can separate from you and still love you. You're not my enemy. Right? That's how the world functions. That's not how we're supposed to function. The world just cuts ties and they're done. That's not us. You, you see what I'm saying? I, 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 I don't necessarily sit around and just let people do whatever they want, but I can't just quit loving them. Amen. There are two reasons we should separate ourselves from someone who willfully walks in disobedience. Look here in 1 Corinthians 5. Am I helping you at all? Because we're going to another level. 1 Corinthians 5, 11. I've written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator. That's sexually promiscuous. That's fornication is actually any form of sexual sin. All right. Or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such a one do not eat. Well, what have I to do to judge them that them also that are without? Do you not judge them that are within? In other words, you got these people in the church and you're not judging them. So it doesn't do us any good to judge those people outside the church when you're not judging the ones in the church. All right. But them that are without God judges. Notice, therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. 
A lot of people say they're Christians and they're not. The Word specifically tells us to stay away from any brother who's willfully living in sin. Is that right? I've had to tell people before, look, brother, your lifestyle just is not compatible with friendship. Just not. Well, Jesus was a friend of sinners. Listen, Jesus was a physician to the sinner. Jesus didn't go sit in the bar. They came out of the bar and came sat with Jesus. This is important. Because the word tells us to stay away from any brother that's willfully living in sin. And you can change, but as long as you keep doing that, you and I can't be buddies. All of them fishing trips, they're over. We're not going to go hang out, right? Because, because this is a character issue, right? I mean, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? If, if you don't, my daddy used to say, if, if you don't want to get shot by the farmer, don't be running with egg-sucking dogs. Right? If, if you don't want to get in trouble, if you don't want your witness hindered, if you don't want to be tempted with things you should never be tempted with, you got to put it away. There are relationships that you just can't have. There, there are family members that my wife and I just can't be around regularly because their lifestyle is not conducive to living as a Christian. Yeah, but they're family. That, th listen, there are things that are more important. This is important. I'm, I'm not talking about somebody that's, that's lukewarm and, and a little cool. Come up, there are people that just don't want to live right. Hallelujah. And Paul said, don't even eat with them. Is that what he said? Mm. There are three important points to remember. If problems arise to the point you need to confront another Christian brother. Number one. Before you cast the splinter out of their eye, get the beam out of your own. Hallelujah. That's important. You know, if you talk to somebody ugly and then they talk to you ugly, you can't say, don't talk to me like that. Like produces like. That when Jesus talked about the beam and the splinter, you know, he was dealing with that in the book of John, the book of Luke. It's talking about criticism. Censorious criticism is what the Greek says. And it's, it's setting yourself in a position of, of judge. Number two, seek counsel, get the wisdom of God, and go in humility and meekness. Seek counsel, get the wisdom of God, and go in humility and meekness. I remember one time I was out, I was out, I was out mowing my yard, and I and I had to, to I was going to meet with uh, a certain person. Is actually a minister, and I knew that they were, I knew in the spirit that they were thinking about walking away from God. 
And uh, I was out mowing my yard, and I was, I was going to meet with him. And uh, the Lord spoke to me and told me what he was doing and told me he wanted to keep doing it, and nothing I was going to say would make a difference. And sure enough, I went to, to lunch and met with him and talked to him, and, and he told me what he was doing. He was okay with it, and he wasn't going to change. He's not in the ministry today. I don't hang around him. Right? Because I just can't. But here's the thing. I love him. And if he was here tonight, I'd minister to him and help him. Help him get back where he could be with God. Right? But it's in humility and meekness. Number three. Godly character that walks in forgiveness will seldom ever take notice of wrongs done to them. Godly character that walks in forgiveness will seldom ever take notice of wrongs done to them. That's when you know you're developing the character of Christ. Godly character that walks in forgiveness will seldom ever take notice of the wrongs done to them. Forgiveness becomes something that's just immediate. Hallelujah. In uh, Matthew 18, we're almost done. In Matthew 18, agreement in the spirit of agape love will bring the spirit of restoration. Matthew 18, verse 18. Truly I say to you, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, they will ask, it will be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. There is power that abides in the person that will walk in love. There's power there. And when I agree in the spirit of agape love, it will bring restoration. But, but I've got to do that with a heart of meekness and a heart of love and a heart of humility. Very often people want that person to correct something because they think it needs to be corrected. Well, again, it's not about what I think. It's, it's the love. I want you to change for you. Right? We're to live a life of constant forgiveness. Notice verse 21 of chapter 18. Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times. Now, what he's really asking is, how many times do I have to do this before I'm able to say, I don't forgive you? Seven times? Right? Notice Jesus. I say unto you, not unto you seven times, but 70 times seven. And very often people put an emphasis on 490 times. But Jesus wasn't putting a number on the times that we are to forgive. He's saying, you forgive as many times as he sins against you. Right? 
You forgive as many times as he sins again. Now, now hear me again when I say this. That doesn't mean if somebody's been doing you wrong and walking all over you and, and right? We've all had those kind of people in our lives. That, that, that doesn't mean you open your house back to them. Right? That, that, that doesn't mean you start giving them money again. You forgive them. I can forgive you and say, hmm, you got to stay outside. I mean, I forgive you. Well, if you, if you love me, give me some money. No, I forgive you, but you're not getting none of my money. <laughs> Amen. Because forgiveness is here. And I can forgive you and not allow you. One, one lady said it this way. I forgive you, but I'm not going to let you kill me. So Jesus is not talking about forgiveness in the sense of then just let the person do whatever they want. I forgive you as many times as you sin against me. The spirit of forgiveness is the spirit of God. That is the spirit of God. We're to forgive everybody, not just those that are easy to forgive. Well, they knew what they were doing was going to hurt me. Oh, of course they did, or they wouldn't have done it. But Jesus said, if you just forgive those that are easy to forgive, what have you done? He said, even the world does that. What we have, this love of God we have on the inside of us, it's tough stuff. It, it will forgive the unforgivable. It, it will love the unlovable. Right? It, it'll stand out and do right to the person that's never done anything but wrong to you. Hallelujah. I've had people say, well, you don't know what they did to me. But Jesus does, and he still told you to forgive them. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter if I know or not. I've had people tell me, there's no way you can live life without being anxious. Well, Jesus said you could. Yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through. It wouldn't matter if I didn't know what you were going through. It doesn't change what Jesus said. See, ever how bad the offense may be, it doesn't change what Jesus said. I'm to forgive them as many times as they ask me. See, you'll go to another level. You'll go to another place of glory. You'll go to another place where the enemy doesn't have access to you. Amen. Glory to God. Look at, look at verse 20. Uh, 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 Ma well, Matthew 6, 12. We're almost done. Notice in what we call the Lord Prayer, he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us as we forgive. If we forgive, God will forgive. Now, in Matthew 18, verse 24, and, and I'm not going to go through all of this. I'll paraphrase much of it so we can uh, get through this tonight in our our power <laughs> this is the parable of uh, the wicked servant and he owed his master 10 million dollars well you know 10 million dollars even in the day and age we live in it's not quite as big as it once was but still 10 million dollars is t still take you a period of time to pay it back 
In this day and age, this is $10 million our money. In this day and age, this was, this was a life sentence. He never could have paid that back. Right? And he said, throw him in prison. And the man fell on his feet, on his knees, and began to beg him. He said, bear with me. Be patient. I'll pay you all of it. Right? And verse uh, 27, the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, loosed him, and forgave the debt. Forgive me. And in one moment, he was $10 million in debt. And the next moment, he forgave $10 million worth of debt. Right? It says that same servant went out. That servant that had just been forgiven $10 million worth of debt. That same servant went out and found a servant, found a fellow servant that owed him 100 pence, $20. And said, pay me what you owe me. Not only did he tell him that, he took him by the throat. One translation says he went to strangling him. I mean, he didn't, he didn't even say hi. He just walked up and went to choking him. Pay me what you owe me. Right? And notice the words. Now, notice this. Notice the words in verse 26. The servant that owed $10 million said, Have patience with me and I'll pay all. Verse 29, $20 man. Have patience with me and I'll pay all. Same words. Same words. That man had just been forgiven $10 million. Now he's choking the man that owes him 20. And the man says the same thing. And notice what he said. He would not. It was an act of his will. I won't. Had him cast in prison. And notice something. Uh, verse 34. They went and uh, told the Lord that had forgiven him that $10 million. Verse 33. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant? even as I had pity on you, every person under the sound of my voice was under an inescapable debt of sin. You couldn't save yourself. Everybody under the sound of my voice was on our way to hell. There was nothing we could do to save ourselves. There was no way out. And we came and fell at the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ, and frankly, he forgave our debt. Nobody has ever sinned against you the way you sinned against God. Nobody. Nobody has ever done us as bad as we did God. Why well, never did God bad? Well, the Bible's wrong then because it said you were God's enemy. Now think about that. Not just you were you 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 didn't like him. You were his enemy. You know what the Bible says? We were enemies of God. Well, we've been reconciled freely. Freely, the debt was paid. And then notice. Verse 35. Well, verse 34 says, And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due him. Now, this is a verse people would like to take out of the Bible. But it's there. 
So likewise shall my heavenly Father do to you if you from your hearts do not forgive everyone his brother their trespasses. That's in the Bible. That's a whole other level of character. In other words, when I refuse to forgive, there's things God can't do for me. And Jesus said really plainly that there will be forgiveness withheld if I don't forgive my brother. Isn't that right? So my character says, okay, you asked me to forgive you? Done. Done. I had somebody, I had somebody in this church come to me and ask me, he said, Pastor Steele, I need you to forgive me. I said, done. They said, well, don't you want to know? I said, I don't need to know. You asked me to forgive you, it's done. Would it matter if I knew? Think about that. I've had people come up to me and say, I need you to forgive me because I don't really like you. <laughs> okay. Done. <laughs> Hallelujah. But my point, my point is, and, and we'll, we'll wrap this up with this, is notice how quickly this is. I'm just going to forgive you. Because going to that place of character, pleasing my Father, is more important than getting my way. And, and every time I want to nurse a hurt or nurse unforgiveness, or rehearse it, I'm putting myself in the position of first. That's vital. Amen? Say it out loud. Father, I choose to forgive. I choose to not be offended. I choose to walk in love. And because of that, I'll go to another level. Another level of glory, another level of presence of God in my life, and I will attain higher heights and deeper depths in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. You're growing, you know it? I'm growing. I'm growing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Well, let's stand up tonight, shall we? Glory to God. Of course, don't forget, Sunday morning, uh, we'll be here ministering the Word. And then Sunday night, Pastor Caldwell will be back with us for another installment on ownership. And so you want to be with us, at, if at all possible. Hallelujah. And uh, God's good. There's things happening quick. These things the Lord's been promising us as a church, they're close. They're real close. I believe God. Amen. Good to see everybody tonight. You're a blessing. Let's say this together, shall we? The vision of this church is to build people's faith and frame their world by the word of God. You and I will always be world changers. God bless you. What's that? 
Thank you for joining us for this message. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or want to share how this message has helped you, send us an email at main at buildfaith.net. This message and many more materials are available to you free of charge, can be found at buildfaith.net or at any of our location media stores. As always, keep the switch of faith turned on and build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God.